0: right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 23. If you are following us online or if you're listening to the podcast, we want to welcome you as well. We thank you so much for uh, joining in. We are in 2 Kings chapter 6. I absolutely Love the story that we're going to talk about today that we're going to study today It's a powerful passage of scripture on deliverance from fear We've been doing a series called toxic and I believe that we live in a day and age where there's a lot of toxic things going on in our lives And this particular message is about toxic fear, toxic fear and in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 through 23, you can focus on a lot of things. Today, I want to focus on the servant, the, the person that served Elisha, okay? So we're going to get there here in a minute. As you're turning there, I want to begin by telling you a story. It's a true story uh, of a pastor, a guy that was in his early 60s. It, it kind of hits home because I'm in the ministry, so uh, it, it's one of those stories that like, man, when I when I put myself in that Position It really spoke to me, and it really, um, I think it's going to help introduce the subject today. This guy, I mean, incredible pastor. One of those guys has got a great charisma, great teacher of God's Word, great friend, great father. He hits, basically, he he goes through a nervous, pretty bad nervous breakdown. And one thing leads to another. He ends up leaving his church, uh, begins to drink heavily. His health... Um goes down the drain, he begins to lose a lot of weight And um, just kind of a, a, a bad, a little bit of a bad story One of his friends comes to him, and I'm not saying any names this morning But <clears throat> one of his friends, pastor friends, comes to him And, and begins to tell him, look, you know, like, um, you're in your 60s uh, You're not living right, you're not doing things the way that they should, you know, you're, you know And he was trying to encourage him, look, you don't know how much longer you'll have uh, what if you get into a wreck What if your life is taken And you don't get a chance to say bye to your kids And your family and your spouse And the pastor basically says this He says I, um, I know that I'm not living The way I'm supposed to be living Like I, you know, I know the gospel I've preached the gospel I've taught the gospel I know that I've gotten off course But I know that God will give me A, a few minutes before I die to get my life right. I know that, but that before it's all over, I know that God will give me just a few minutes to get my heart in the right place to repent and whatnot. Well, that pastor actually ends up getting a massive, irreversible heart attack. And they have to call the ambulance. He's on the way to the the hospital. And of course, his last few minutes... He is in this ambulance. It reminded me of this because of um, we were coming back from Oklahoma. We took the kids for Thanksgiving, just hiking and whatnot. And on the way back, we saw an ambulance, and we could see the lady that was in there. She was wearing a mask, and for a while, I mean, I, I guess she was being transported to another hospital or something. But it reminded me of the story of this pastor, and that. And I put myself in his in his shoes. I put myself in his situation. I wonder. I wonder if he got the last few minutes. As he's, as that ambulance is going at high speeds, being taken to the hospital, and the last few days, the last few minutes, excuse me, he's looking at the, the top of the ambulance with strangers working on him, maybe providing oxygen or whatever they're doing. And I wonder if he had those last few minutes to get his heart right. Now you may be coming here today And you may not be dealing with alcohol Your heartbeat uh, may have never stopped But you may be coming in with your last few dollars You may be coming in with the last solution And you're coming in and you're Man, this is the last line of credit This is my last chance This is my last opportunity My last ounce of patience And you may have this fear of the future That fear that maybe they'll sue you or fear that you will be the last one fear that you're going to lose your little bit of savings or you won't have enough for christmas gifts or fear that you won't pass the test or that numbness in your arm you're thinking man i've had it checked out they, they don't know what it is and you're afraid that that your life you don't know what's going to turn out to be it, it may be the blemish on your skin it may be the, the mole on your back, and you're looking at it, and you've been thinking about it for days, and he's got you worried, and you're, you're, you know, your brain just goes into overdrive. And maybe the guy across the street that just moved in, and you're like, man, that just doesn't, they don't, this doesn't give me any peace. And you begin to fear, and you begin to ask the question, what if I lose it all? What if this happens? What if, and you, before you know it, you find yourself. Just being just full of anxiety and full of fear. And the, the, one of the things that, as I was studying this, this passage, I realized is that fear locks you up in a prison that you can't leave. Fear just, that's what fear accomplishes. It just locks you in there. You can't leave. You're, you can't be happy. You're locked up. Now, I want you, as we begin today, as we, uh, before we get into the message, I want you to imagine just for one moment what it would be like to live without fear i was going to ask you to close your eyes you don't have to do that but imagine just what it would be like to live one day let's just say one day without fear just one day that you can where you can just relax and you can think nothing's going to happen to the kids you know, nothing's going to... Like, I'm going to be able to provide for my family. I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to lose my savings. I'm not... You know, the, the fear of the future is not there. Like, I'm not... You know, I'll be able to, to 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 pay my bills, to pay the mortgage or whatever. Imagine what it would be like to live one day without any fear whatsoever. Well, the Bible says the command is... Do not fear, and if it was impossible, I don't think God would have made that command. Right? Like when He gave us the command, "Do not be afraid, do not fear." If it was, if it was not possible, He would not. A good, loving, gracious God would not state it like that if it was not possible. And so, so today we're going to be looking at this guy, uh, and we're going to look at this. You know, you can you can study Elisha, you can study what happened with the nation of Israel, but I want to focus on the servant, because he was gripped with fear, and I want you to see how he was delivered from toxic fear. You guys ready? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, a little bit of an unusual story, kind of a little bit of an obscure story, but there is so, I mean, there are some principles in here that I'm telling you, I think they're, They're just incredible. So it says this. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. Now let me give you a little bit of the context, okay? A little bit of the background just so you kind of bring you up to speed. There's this king, the Bible, that verse just mentioned in verse 8, in a country called Aram, okay? These are the bad people. These are the enemies of Israel. Um, every time they're planning an attack against Israel, God would tell the prophet, He would, tell the, he would reveal the plans to Elisha, and Elisha, the man of God, would in turn Go to the king of Israel and tell him Hey, the arameans they're coming after you Just give them a heads up And so the Israelites were always a step ahead they, You know, obviously the king of um, the, the bad king was not happy about that And um, if you, I don't know if you guys were here When we studied Elisha But if you study his life Lived an incredible life he, The Bible records more miracles in about Elisha than any other person in the Bible. Now, as we study this, I want you to think of this. This servant that was with Elisha, he saw every miracle. He saw how God moved. He saw like like he he saw everything. He was he was observing. He was learning. And so as we read the verses, in a minute, I want you to I want you to get a hold of what he's it's going on in his life. Okay, so verse 10. So it says, so the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. So obviously, the bad king, the king of Aram, he didn't like this. You know, he didn't like that every time he would plan an attack. Like, like somehow, all of his strategy, all of his, all of this stuff that he was planning, it was leaking. You know, like it was someone was finding out, and he gets upset, and he's going he's about to find out who is the root of his problem, and he's, he's gonna send a, a bunch of people. He's gonna send his army to get rid of Elisha. Now, look at it in verse eleven. The king of Aram became very upset over this. Okay, he called his officers together and demanded. Which of you is a traitor? So he's, he's becoming paranoid. He doesn't know just yet what's going on. Who's telling the enemy his plans? And he's like, who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? Like, I want to know. Verse 12. It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Verse 13, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so that I can send troops to seize him. And then so he sends a bunch of people, he's trying to find out who is my traitor, who is the one that's that's telling on me, and he sends people to find out the report gets back, and here's what they say. Elisha is at where? Help me out. Dothan. Dothan. So, what's going on? Elisha is with his servant in this little town away from Samaria Samaria was actually the the capital at the time and they're just kind of out and about just little town and nothing big is happening and one morning his servant goes out he's just doing his job he's just doing life just the normal way and he goes out the Bible says and there is he sees the enemy and he sees that basically they're surrounding them they're everywhere and look look at what happens in verse 15 when the servant of a man of god like he is gripped with fear like he's he's crying out when the servant of the man of god got up early the next morning and went outside there were troops and horses and chariots where everywhere so this this young boy leaves his place where he was at that morning, and he begins to notice the enemy is everywhere. They're there to get him. They're there. I mean, like, this is it. This is the end of his life, and this is what he says. Oh, sir, what will we do now like he is terrified he is gripped with fear he doesn't know what they're going to do like he's, in his mind he's thinking like we're all alone you know we cannot call on the troops because they're in Samaria and like we're in a remote town we like this is this is it this is the end he knows that they're there for Elijah but if they if they come after Elijah he was close enough to him that they're coming after him and he is terrified Oh sir, what will we do? Like what's going to happen? Like this is it. This is the end of our life. This is the end of the rope. We are done. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever gone through something in life where you you're totally hopeless? Like, you, you run out of the last dime that you have. Like, it's like the last dollar, and you're completely defenseless. You feel like, I have nobody to ask. Like, maybe, maybe it's, it has to do with your health. The doctor said it's cancer. And if you, you sink into fear. The lawyer says divorce is final. It goes through, and you feel like, my life is over. Like, there's no hope. The bank says, we're coming to get the car. Have you ever been there where it's hopeless, where it's like, like you just don't know, like the bill comes unexpected, the boss says you 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 you've been laid off, isn't that isn't that like hard to go through moments like that? It's debilitating, isn't it? So as I read this passage, there are three lessons that God kind of gave me, and I'm kind of, you know, when when I preach, when I bring you a lesson, when I bring you a message, usually I'm I, I filter it through what I go through in life and. These are three lessons that I felt like God was just giving me. And so I just want to just... Like if you and I, if we just sat down for, for coffee or if we were just having a, just a, a friendly conversation, this is, what I would say, this is what I would share with you this week. This is what God is teaching me. It's three things, three things that God reminded me when I read this passage. The first one is this. Faithful people fight fear. I wrote that on my notes. Faithful people... Fight fear So it's interesting When you look at this passage It refers to this man As the servant of the man of God That's, that's what we know about him The servant of the man of God Now I don't, we don't have a whole lot of details But I was thinking of that phrase The, the servant of the man of God This guy was not necessarily a runaway slave this guy had been with Elisha for years. This guy had seen the miracles. He was, you could even say he was in ministry. He was not like the lead pastor, right? But he was, he was the assistant pastor. He was the associate pastor. He was there to help as Elisha served the community. He would serve Elisha and he would serve along Elisha. He was like Elisha's primary helper. He was his ladder holder. I, from all I know, like he's being faithful, In the morning, the Bible says early in the morning, he got up, he's doing his job, and yet he's gripped with fear. And it made me think, just because you're dealing with obstacles in your life and and, and difficulties does not mean that you're not a good person. A, A lot of times, as human beings, we have a tendency... Now, i don 't I don't even know why we do this, but we have a tendency to judge or look down not just on others but even on ourselves Anytime we go through something that 's not good anytime that you know we face an obstacle or we 're dealing with something you know we we wonder, oh man they, you know what did I do? What did they do? They must be backslidden. like they must be they 're they 're away from the Lord you know you see a missionary they 're being persecuted you see someone that They lost their kid, or a Christian person, they find out like they're they're in this accident or they receive some bad news. And then immediately what we ask the question, whether we say it out loud or not, and we even do it in our in our own lives, we're like, Man, what did they do? Why would God allow that for them to happen? You know, sometimes you can be in the boat and still get wet. You can be right next to Jesus, right? And in the middle of the storm and still get wet and it's not what did they do to deserve this it's no 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 it's life it's what happens and so faithful people can still fight this idea of fear and so this servant he's gripped he's in the right place right time with the right person doing his job he's not from what I read in scripture he's not living in sin not doing anything wrong and all of a sudden, he sees the enemy, he sees the obstacle, and he's frozen. He's terrified. What will we do? Now look, listen to how the man of God dismantles his young servant's fear. Verse 16, Elisha says to him, he says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs now I'll explain that little phrase there at the end in a minute but I want you to focus on those first couple of words there don't be afraid here's what I wrote down on my notes as I'm taking this in and I'm meditating on the passage I wrote down Jesus declare war on fear Jesus declare war on fear when you look at those words don't be afraid this is not the only place where you'll find them you, you'll see that um, they're the same words don't be afraid same words that the angel spoke to Mary when she found out she was pregnant Mary don't be afraid they're the same words when that, that Jesus says don't be afraid he's, he's asleep on the boat there there's a storm that's coming they feel like they're sinking they're panicking they're afraid what does he say don't don't be afraid they're the same words when Moses remember the burning bush he's asked to deliver the Israelites from the bondage of the Egyptians what did God say to him Moses don't be afraid they're the same words that Jesus says remember when he says look at the little birds they're they're not worried neither should you be don't be afraid for your heavenly father has already given you the kingdom the kingdom belongs to you don't be afraid when Jesus was on this earth he mentioned 125 imperative statements 125 imperative statements 85 of those had to do with don't be afraid don't, do not fear in fact, the phrase, do not fear, do not be afraid, appears 365 times in the Bible. You hear that? 365, not, 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 not 364, not 366, exactly 365. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that has to have some sort of meaning, right like I don't like and I can see it in your face like I I think that like there's more to like like I think that phrase don't be afraid being in the Bible three exactly 365 times it's got to have some sort of significance and I think it's what you're thinking we have a do not be afraid do not fear for every single day of the year from January 1st till December 31st don't be afraid Jesus says, you'll hear of wars. You'll hear of rumors of wars, but don't be afraid. I think if we could somehow, if we could ascend into heaven and we could gather all the disciples... And, and we could just ask them questions. We could say, what was the one thing when Jesus was here on this earth? What was the one thing that he would often say? What was the one thing that he repeated often? I mean, as your teacher, as your rabbi, what was the thing that he always, I think if we were, so, if we somehow could just ascend into heaven, gather the disciples and ask them, what's the one thing that he always said, I think they would say, the one thing that he said often is, don't be afraid. We were on the boat, and he said it. We were about to heal someone. He said, "Don't be afraid. We were casting demons, or we were having the challenge of not being able to cast demons. He would, he would say it. "Don't be afraid. Our friend Lazarus died. Don't be afraid. Before the cross, don't be afraid." So how do we declare war on fear? Because clearly Jesus did it. How do we do it? Well, look at what Elijah did. We do it just the way Elijah did. Verse 17.. <clears throat> It says, it says, then Elisha prayed. You fight fear with prayer, by the way. Then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. He's praying for who? He's praying for the servant, for his his young boy. He's saying, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him C, when fear comes your way, it's not the time to get alarmed. I know that's what we we often do. We get into like panic mode. No, no, no. When fear comes your way, it's time to bring it. That that's when you bring the fight to the enemy. Fear should be like your alarm reminder. To remind you to ask God to open up your eyes. That's what, like whenever you feel that panicky, like, (gasps) like what's gonna happen with the finances? Just got the bill You know just got the The notice from the doctor Just got the And you fill in the blank And you go And you you get that anxiety That you feel up here That should be a trigger for you, it should be like your alarm. When you set your alarm, I, I've, I set all kinds of alarms, right? Like when I want to be reminded of something. In my home, like we, at all kinds of times, our kids, they're known like when they have to take the puppy out, they set their alarms, they have to wake up at a certain time, they have to do something. You know, always, there's always an alarm going off. Fear should be like that. It should be your alarm reminder to run to God, and begin with prayer But it's, it's not just the prayer it's, it's not just God help me get out of this No no it's God open my eyes Help me see And that's the prayer Then Elisha Panicked No Then Elisha ran No Then Elisha called his buddy No Then Elisha went to his preacher no. Then Elisha what? Prayed. Pray, God, open his eyes. Look, look at the 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 end of verse seventeen. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the 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 hillside around Elisha was. Filled with horses and chariots of, fi- of fire. So, Elisha, what's happening here is Elisha prays. God opened his eyes, and God answers the prayer. And what's happening here is that God has sent an army of angels. And it's interesting. It says that these angels are surrounding the enemy, and they're they're seated in chariots of fire. When you are gripped with fear. You're going to run to God and you're going to ask him, Lord, open my eyes. Help me see things from your advantage point of view. Help me see things because I don't understand it. My vision, like God, my vision is limited. I'm here on planet earth and I'm, I'm faithful and I love you and I trust you. But to be honest, it does not make sense. And so I love the prayer. The prayer is not get me out of it. The prayer is, God, would you help me see what you're doing? See, the, the enemy often, his tactic is lies, right? He, he, it's it's, the, the, it's the, the smoke that he puts right in front of you to confuse you. So he'll lie to you to get you to think certain things. Like, for example, if you think of, of this, the fear of death. What is the lie from the enemy? The fear of, of death, that you're going to die, The fear, the lie, excuse me, is that you find you will only find security here on planet Earth. That's the lie. And if you lose your life, it's over, and that's it. let, Let me give you another one, a couple more. The fear of rejection. What? What's the lie with that? The fear of rejection the lie from the enemy is that you have to be you have to fit in you have to you have to you know like people have to like you in order for you to feel worthy in order for you to be worthy like you're not worth anything unless that you have their approval that's the lie from the enemy that's not true your worthiness has nothing to do with what people say or what they believe about you Uh, 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 the fear of poverty what's the lie in that the lie is that God won't take care of you, right? There's always, when, there, when there's a fear in your life, there's usually, there's a root cause, and it's usually a belief that you're, that the enemy has put in front a lie that you're believing. The, 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 the fear of suffering, what's the lie behind that? The lie is that you, you won't, you're not gonna be able to, to make it through. But like, God, I don't know, if I go through what they're going through, I'll never make it. Well, that's, that's a lie from the enemy, and so in this, in, the, in this young boy's life, Elijah's servant, what was the lie? He steps outside, he sees the enemy, and immediately he's gripped by fear, and he's like, it's over. And the fear is that God won't protect him. And so the man of Elisha, the man of God, Elisha says, you know what? God open his eyes. Let him see what you're doing. And it reminds me of what my kids used to do all the time. We were on long trips and they would always play this game, especially if it's a long road trip. I spy. You guys know what game I'm talking about, right? I spy. And so, uh, you know, whoever the spy was or whoever was it would look out, you know, or wherever. They would say, I spy with my little eyes. And they would, they would name a, an object within sight, right? I think that's, that's turning into a game. When you're going through something that you can't see, that you can't understand, that's, that's taking your breath, say those words. God, help me see I'm looking, I'm looking. Help me see from your vantage point. Of view. Like Help me see like, what you're up to because I don't understand it and I am fearful and I need your help. Elijah in this passage, three times he asked God to either close someone's eyes or open their eyes. Three different times. You read the whole thing? He's like, God, close your eyes or open our eyes. Help us see what you're doing. And so, number one, faithful people fight Fear. Number two, Jesus declared war on fear, and he won. He's got the victory. We have that advantage um, today. And, and, and so your job and my job is to ask, Lord, and help me see better. Nothing has changed as far as the way that God is. And if God is able to send a, 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 an army of angels back in that day and age, he can send an army of angels with attitudes to, to you on your behalf. Right? Like the same God of yesterday Is the same God of today So like why do we Why We may not see them But God may be like You know what I am actually sending my angels On your, like, on your behalf Because there's some things That you're And I'm going to Just send my messengers And, I, and I'm, they're going to help you And your prayer Doesn't need to be Get me out of this Your prayer needs to be God help me see Help me see what you're doing Number three and we're done Experiencing fear Is an opportunity for grace I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come up here. We're going to wrap this up. Experiencing fear is an opportunity for grace. To, I want to slow down for a moment. Experiencing fear, okay? It's actually an opportunity for you to remember and to show grace. So let's look at the last few verses, Okay? As the Aramean army advanced toward him, toward Elisha, okay? Imagine how that must have felt. <laughs> you know, you pray, God help us here, you know, and they're, they're coming right after you, right? Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Let me kind of just... I'm just going to skip around a little bit just for the sake of time. So they're approaching Elisha. He says, God, close their eyes. God, answer him once again. Elisha essentially leads them to Samaria. Now, the Israelite troops were in Samaria. And he said, okay, open their eyes. And of course, they're there. And the king of Israel is there. And they're now surrounded by the opposing army. Okay? Okay? and then i want you to notice what the king of israel says to elisha he says verse 21 when the king of israel saw them he shouted to elisha my father should i what kill them they're the enemy should i he he asked the question twice should i get rid of them this is it this is you know god deliver them into our hands should I kill them should I get rid of them I want you to pay attention to how Elisha responds because I think there's a powerful lesson I think the fear that you're dealing with today may be to help someone in the future so the king excuse me uh, verse 22 I skipped one of course not Elisha said should we should we kill them should we kill them of course not Elisha replied, Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them what? Food and drink. And send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them. And then sent them home to their master. And after that the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. I guarantee you there's many lessons of this servant That Elisha's servant probably learned There was one that was totally unexpected And that's that when you experience fear It's an opportunity to remember grace Because what I love about this passage Is that God miraculously Delivered Elisha and his servant, right? Like we would all agree with that But God also used Elisha To extend grace to the enemy and here's the point that i'm trying to make today when god delivers you because he will deliver you from the fear that you're facing today may you and i not forget of how challenging and how difficult it was and may we not forget to show and to offer grace and to feel what people are feeling when they're dealing with the same kind of fear that you felt and, and like if I can just bring it home, like when your kids are afraid of the test that they're taking, may we not disregard their feelings and their struggles because they're in third grade. Or they're in ninth grade. Oh come on, there's there's a lot bigger things that you're gonna face in life. Not that big of a deal. No, 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 no. The fear that you're feeling right that you're going through right now, it's an opportunity for you to practice. And remember grace. And so when you have a friend that opens up. And they're telling you that they're fearful. That they're going to spend the rest of their lives alone. May you and I not disregard what it once felt like. Because we've been married the next number of years. But may we feel what they feel. So the same God that rescued Elisha. Is the same God that used him to deliver grace to the enemy. And he's the same God who extended a hand to that pastor that I was telling you about. And so I put myself in his position, remember the pastor at the beginning of the message? And I wonder, like, if God gave him a chance, those last few minutes. But the same God who delivered Elisha and allowed to use him to show grace to the enemy is the same God that when that pastor because I know that he gave his life to Christ I know that towards the end he lost his way I get it but I guarantee you that in that moment when he passed from from this place to unto eternity in that moment he first thing that he saw was the hand of God saying come on, come on first thing he heard was don't be afraid, welcome home that's my prayer for you today wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with that you would trust that you have a God who loves you and who's full of grace and may we practice that kind of grace let's pray Father God I ask you God that you would remind us that faithful people we struggle with fear too and we ask the questions and we have doubt not because anything is wrong in our lives not because we're sinning not because we're we've lost track yeah we, we know when we do that we get it but faithful people fight the could fight as well So, Lord, I ask you, remind us, thank goodness, Jesus declared war on fear and won. God, our our job is just to ask him to see things from from his advantage point of view, God. God, may may we show grace when he delivers us. How many of you here or online would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm dealing with a particular fear. How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Yep, I see that hand. I see the hand. If you're online, you can give us a thumbs up. Raise your hand online. You can do that as well. Friend, would you trust in God if right now your heart is gripped in fear? Would you trust him? Would you do that? God, we come before you and we just ask you to give us the heart of Elisha. God, we're not superhumans, but when we falter, when we doubt, when we ask questions, God may you open our eyes to see your way and your plans, God. And may we trust you as the enemy is approaching. God, we surrender our lives to you. We ask you to help us to understand others, to love them, to be patient, to hear them, and not to judge so quickly, but to have the heart of Elisha. So, God, we just surrender our lives to you. We just ask you to do what we can do. We we'll pray in Jesus' name. Amen. let all stand.